to me. Live the Twin Cities, we're the names you know, this is the names I know. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all the final episode of the uh of the daves i know for the for 2020 this shit show of a year um in in every single possible way i think uh, including getting uh kicked in the dick by seattle uh to end our season last week so um thanks 2020 but barring any major 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 minnesota united news uh we're gonna probably take a few weeks off here uh rest relax uh we are on too many Zooms as it is, and we're probably going to be on Zooms with families and stuff. So we want to give you guys, uh, your your ears, a, a break from all the bleeding that we've caused with all of our uh, asinine hot takes and stuff uh, over the course of 2020. So uh, definitely want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. Uh, and we have the regular regular crew. Dan, how's it going? Not too bad. Ready for the uh, end of the year and uh, counting down the days until I get my vaccine. I don't know how many days I'm counting down, but I just like made a big ass paper chain. I'm, I'm tearing them off. <laughs> just a, a, a paper chain that has no end. Yeah, exactly. I just, I started stapling things together and I figured, well, this, this feels like about enough. So that's fair. That's fair. MJ, how are you Hanging doing? in there. I'm going to be here for the holidays, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so yeah, obviously the holidays coming up. I want to say happy holidays to all of our listeners. And we uh, now that the Dark Clouds auction is done, more or less. I just there's a couple items that are still out that I need to get to people. Uh, there's another thing for my a board that I'm the treasurer of. I was running around. I spent about six hours in my car on Friday, driving around, dropping shit off and picking shit up for a couple different things. Now that's all done. The Heath out, Heath out Stout is done. Um, we will be figuring out a delivery of that very, very soon. So you'll be getting an email uh, from the Dave's I know uh, at Gmail account if you are getting a bottle of the Heath Out Stout. Um, so please, please, please be on the lookout for that, which basically will just need you to let, let us know your address. Um, if you are out of the state, uh, we really don't want to send it. Sending beer uh, is a fucking pain in the ass, and I guess technically illegal, according to Christian. So, um you know, if you really want it, let me know. We, I, I mean, I, I can try and figure something out. But, um, but we can definitely hold the beer. Beer will will stay good. Christian uh, assured me for at least a year. So hopefully, at some point in the next year, we'll be able to travel and you can swing by and and we can schedule time to pick it up and stuff. So, if you are uh, not in the Twin Cities, um, don't worry. Just let me know. We can, we'll figure something out. And uh, if you are in the Twin Cities, please respond to that email. I'll be coming from the the dates I know mn at gmail.com. Uh, email address so lots of cool things actually uh martin and craig and i are thinking about recording one more um watch party podcast uh the movie joya noel uh which is about the winter uh, the christmas truce uh back in world war one apparently they play soccer in it for a short period of time so that's <laughs> using that as the impetus to watch a world war one movie it's pretty cool and relevant to both craig and martin and my interests uh yeah and then you know we'll see we're i'm really trying to 
sort of think about what we can do with the Patreon in 2021. Um, ideally, I think we'd like to do some more beer again. But if you have any other ideas, please don't hesitate to hit us up uh, on the Twitters uh, or or sending us an email. Again, it's uh, the Daves I know. I think it's Daves I know at gmail mn at gmail.com. I don't I don't even remember what our email address is, but you'll be getting an email from me. So, all right, that's that wraps up the the actual proper business that we have for the show. Now let's talk about all the crazy MLS shenanigans. And uh, I guess we'll start MLS Cup final. Columbus beat the uh, Columbus Crew beat the Seattle Sounders three to nothing. It uh, it wasn't even really that close. It was uh, very much a a decimation by Columbus, who were missing uh, two of their two players, uh, including Darlington Nagby. Um, and was it Pedro Santos? Was the other Pedro one? Pedro Santos. Uh, his, his, his replacement scored a goal. Right. Yeah, so Derek Etienne Jr. with the goal, Lucas Zellerian with two. Uh, you guys, did you guys watch this game? Any 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 quick thoughts on the MLS Cup final? The first two goals that Columbus scored, which seemed very early in the first half, both came down their left side. And who's at right back? Alex Roldan, and he was not in the right spot. Yeah, most of the criticism I saw on this game was Schmetzer going with the exact same lineup. That, uh, that he ran out against the Loons instead of bringing in Leerdam, who'd played so well. And uh, it's like, uh, like Adrian Heath may have uh, slipped him something during the uh, post-game handshakes. Just, uh, I mean, not like a COVID virus, but a, you know, don't use subs virus. Stupid pills? Yeah, that, um, that works too, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't planning on watching this game, and then a, a few dark clouds got together on, over Zoom and, and – we all were watching it and making fun of things and it made it a much more palatable uh, existence to watch this match on Saturday night. So congratulations to the crew. Uh, their last playoff game in Matt free stadium. They're going to be moving to their new stadium sometime next summer. So uh, good for them. I don't, you know, I don't have really have any, any, there's no, I'm not, there's no reason to be upset with the, with the Columbus crew as much as I do with, you know, see, I, I hate to say, I fucking hate Seattle. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the 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 soccer team at Seattle itself is a is a fine fine city, um, but man that soccer team just pisses me the fuck off. So eh, nothing wrong with nothing wrong with Columbus. So both both of Columbus's st- stadia will have much more uh, higher quality playing services services than the the shitty uh, field turf three sixty. Yeah, the Nessie has better playing surfaces than uh, Lumen Field in Seattle. So, um, all right. So let's uh, let's actually just talk Minnesota United and and more generally some MLS news. Um, as we talked about at the podcast um, last time we recorded, literally about twelve hours later is when Minnesota United announced a bunch of their roster moves. Um, you can go to the Minnesota United website just if you want to see all of them. But more or less uh, of of options that were picked up. Ethan Finley, Foster Langsdorf, Jane St. Clair, Noah Billingsley, Hassani Dotson, Sam Galito, and Chase Gasper. Um, they're in discussions right now with Ozzy, with Marlon Harrison, uh, Brent Coleman, uh, Puke, Jacory Hayes, Kevin Molino, and obviously Luis Amaria, who is, uh, whose loan expires at the end of the month. Um, Minnesota United declined the purchase option uh, as it was originally um, agreed to because obviously that was pre-COVID prices and pre-Luis Amaria, you know, breaking his ankles or something. And then of the players who had outright options that were declined, Aaron Schoenfeld, James Musa, Greg Ranjit Singh, Jose Aha, and Kevin Petrita. Um, Kai Kamara and Raheem Edwards were both out of contract. Kai Kamara is a free agent, and I believe 
Raheem Edwards um, will go into one of those reentry draft mechanism thingamajigs. So, any names uh, here? And then obviously the, the players that we did mention, Michael Boxel, Ikepara, those guys, all were still in contract for 2021. So, um, really the only players that we're for sure losing are Schoenfeld, Musa, Rajit Singh, Aha, uh, and Patrita with Kai Kamara and Raheem Edwards, both out of contract as well. So, any names um, from either the options who are picked up? Uh, or the options that were declined, uh, or people that were currently in discussions with that stick out to you or surprise you for the category that they're in? I'm a little surprised that Ethan Finley's contract was picked up as is. Um, not in a bad way. I, I like what he brings to the team, but he is almost more so than any other player on the team. There is another starter at his position, uh, assuming the loons don't go into the into 2021 with a with looted a false nine. So that one surprised me a little bit. I thought they would either decline him outright or kind of try to renegotiate with him. Um, I'm still not sold that he'll be back with the team this year. I suspect there's a decent market for him that the loons can can play around with a little bit, but that's probably the, the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, that they just straight picked his option up was I mean they, they could have they could have been they could have said that we, we are reserving the rights to author to to pick up that option. Um knowing and then renegotiate with him, but they just straight picked up his option for the price that he was at uh, or whatever his price that will be at for, for next year. So yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. Um, MJ, anything stand out to you? No big surprises. Uh, the small surprise to me is that AHA would seem like someone at his price would probably be a good fit and develop some good chemistry with the players here. Right. On the other hand, he takes up an international spot. He and does not. He does not? He does not. No, he's got his oh. green card. So he's someone that we can replace and find someone kind of with the same skill set. Um, so I, I understand both sides of that, but it was a little bit of a surprise to see him go. Right. Well, they did uh, make a new signing um, yesterday. Uh, MJ, do you want to talk about the, the new guy we got from FC Dallas? Well, speaking of center backs that we let go, uh, we have a new center back. That is Colin Montgomery. He was with contract with FC Dallas. FC Dallas drafted him. He has been playing in lower league soccer, first with, what was it, uh, North Texas SC, and then last year played at San Antonio FC with Dane St. Clair. 6'3", 185 pounds, 23 years old. Seems like a lot of upside. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> must suck for him. He's coming from, you know, FC Dallas to uh, – where he's played his entire career and um, to a, a interesting defensive situation in Minnesota. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit though. Um, and then the other, uh, Oh, sorry. I, I didn't go back and say what surprised me. Um, you know, of all the guys that they kept from the Reno nine one one deal, I'm surprised Petrita was the one that they, that they um, declined his option. I believe he was a, a USL best 11 uh, midfielder um, last last year, and so it just seemed odd that if he was a younger, you know, potentially a a, a stopgap or someone to to learn from Ozzy. It's something they would bring Ozzy Alonso back. So that one that one surprised me a little bit, but again, honestly, none of these were too terribly terribly surprising. So yeah, but I do I do agree with you. Petrita was definitely the most highly regarded of the three. Uh, the only thing I can think he's a little bit more of an attacking midfielder, whereas Gleal was the holder defensive. So sure. yeah. And 
the Foster Langsdorf, the other one, allows them to say they still have a striker on the roster. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, the team has one forward on the roster, um, seven midfielders, seven defenders, and, and four goalkeepers. So, uh, yeah. And then the other bit of news that um, I'm not sure if we briefly touched on it at all last podcast, but Will Trapp has been rumored to be signing a free agent deal. Will Trapp is a free agent, uh, played with Inter-Miami last year. I believe he started like something like 16 games. Um, played in like 21. He's definitely not a like, I don't know. He's not a like for like replacement for Ozzy Alonso. Um, I think he does a lot of the same, he do a lot of the same things that Ozzy Alonso does. And he can play that sort of that deeper, that deeper role. Um, it can in spray passes um, from out from the back to relieve the pressure of the back line, but also um, relieve where and also from having to track back too much, I think. But, um, yeah, do you guys have any, any thoughts on Will Trapp uh, coming in as a theoretically a replacement for Ozzy Alonso? Yeah, we, we did touch on it a little bit last week, uh, but the, the links have only gotten stronger. So I think it's pretty safe to assume this is going to get done, although it sounds like there's a little bit of distance to cover between now and Wednesday. Um, I, from an offensive standpoint, I really, really like this. So the thing that Trapp does much better than Ozzy Alonso is he's a progressive passer. Um, he sprays the ball really, really well from that deep lying position. So I like that ability, particularly with uh, Finley's ability to get into a, a sort of middle position between the attack and defense. I think that link up will be really nice. I think getting him, uh, getting a ball from, let's say, just outside Minnesota United's 18 into Gray Goosh's feet closer to the half or Reynoso's feet closer to the half will, will allow the attack to spring a little bit more quickly. It does leave a little bit of a hole at the back. Um, I think he he gives up a little bit to Ozzy on defense and adds a little on offense. So just interesting to see that trade-off happening. And it's another thing that makes me wonder if the team is fairly confident in Opara being back. Because one thing we saw from Opara that we definitely did not see either from Debasi, Boxall, or Aha this year is the ability to defend at the top of the box without then getting beat by a quicker offensive player. That's something Ike does as well or better than anyone else in the league. So if the team's confident he's going to be back, then that's a great trade-off. If he's still going to end up missing a lot of time next season, uh, that could be an interesting hole. We, we may start finding holes at the top of the box that we didn't have this season. Right. That's And that's where, when you look at some of the um, like heat maps of games that Minnesota, before, like pre-Ikopara, that top of the box, um, that second six or whatever was just fucking bright red. That like that's where everybody scored their goals against Minnesota United was there, and then um, immediately Icopar and Ozzy Alonso, like that that just goes away pretty much um, most of last year. So that is a that's a good point, Dan. Um, all right, well let's jump in. Let's talk about you know 2020 generally. We I know there's some we got some Icopara news, some Thomas Jacone news from Heath and his sort of uh, exit interview end of the year recap uh, interview that uh, did with the reporters uh, la- like late last week. Yeah. Late last week. So we can maybe talk a little bit about them as we talk about the, uh, the player. So let's start in the back um, keeper position. We had uh, Tyler Miller obviously started the season, played fairly well for us. Um, got hurt, uh, had hips, uh, sorry, season ending hip surgery. Uh, we acquired Greg Rajit Singh. Um, he played what at four or five games, uh, gave up a few hollers of a goal, and then it became the Dane St. Clair show who took us the rest of the way. 
Um, how do we evaluate the the keepers, the keeper position for Minnesota United in 2020? Are you asking to us to evaluate each of these three? No, just the, the position itself. <laughs> I'm gonna say B, solid B, B plus. Okay, Dan. I think that's harsh. I think we got pretty well A production, uh, which is impressive given how little of this went to plan. I mean, the the team's plan going into the season was Tyler Miller playing the entire season and Dane St. Clair getting starts on loan down in San Antonio. And it just, uh, it's not, not what came to pass. So uh, full credit to Minnesota United for having a little bit of talent in reserve and uh, Dane St. Clair's emergence. And I think we all sort of expected that this would happen, but we've now got confirmation of it just makes that 2019 draft look even more impressive when the first three loons picks in that draft are Dane St. Clair, Chase Gasper and Hassani Dotson. And now Colin Montgomery. So it'll be interesting to see if he can add to the legend of the 2019 draft. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I will say, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think maybe I'll split the difference there and say like an A minus um, just because I think there is, there are, while Dane St. Clair has definitely proven that this, I, this job should be his to lose. Um, I think there are, there are still a few question marks. His decision-making at the end of that Seattle game, uh, was a little little hairy. Um, he definitely does not distribute as well as Tyler Miller did uh, in terms of being able to get the ball down down downfield. And when we're in a game like we were on uh, against Seattle, we're trust we just need to relieve. We just need uh, uh, to get it out to the the pressure release valve of Kai Kamara. He was wasn't able to do that. So I think that is um, that's a knock on him. But I think that's again that's a thing that you can easily easily learn. Um, and hopefully that's what he's just spends the entire offseason just kicking soccer balls as hard as he fucking can. So um, we'll talk and we'll talk a little little bit here about what we think we should do with the keeper position, obviously, since we have two bona fide starters in Miller and and DSC and a, you know, I think a fairly capable backup in Zendeja um, on the roster as well. So, all right, let's go to defense. So this was obviously Noe Kapara uh, after the first two games of the year. Um, Metnir Boxel, uh, AHA, Debassi Gasper. That was five of those were the main sort of defenders for the most of the year. Obviously a little bit of Brent Coleman, um, some Raheem Edwards, a little bit of James Musa. And I think we saw maybe five minutes of Noah Billingsley <laughs> this season. <laughs> so um, MJ as a, as a whole, um, and you can, if you want to highlight certain defenders, go for it. But was, as a whole, what would you say about our, our 2020 uh, defense? So I have to go back to the keeper bit and just say, because of the Tyler Miller injury, I was giving that a B plus, seeing that was a, a negative. I was not thinking of like, oh, look at how we responded to the Tyler Miller injury. So oh, sure. yeah. I was including in the grade of things that happened to us that might be out of our control and how we responded. Um, you, do, you do this however you want to do it, buddy. There's so no rules. Considering that, that Ico Parra, someone that we paid a lot of money for and we need to show up, you know, someone who wears the captain armband, considering that he was out all year, to me, that knocks the grade down, even though a lot of that is out of the control of the head coach and, and so on. So in addition, a, a lot of great chemistry building on the fly, different back fours, and they're still learning how each other play. I, th- I think most impressive was the second game that Coleman and AHA were a center back carrying, where the first game they looked really out of sorts. In the second game, they just looked amazing. So all said and done, most of our, besides the bossy, all of our backs 
tend to do really well in one-on-one -on -one defense and really horrible when there are more attackers. So I'm going to give it like C plus. Yikes, you are being. I, I'm really harsh on defending. <laughs> and That's fair. Dan? Body, body positioning and, I mean, yeah. The, That's fair. Dan? Where our shoulders and hips were pointed, it, the spacing, zonal marking, it was so horseshit at times. I think you might be reading a little bit into that last game when you give your grades, but that's recently <laughs> bias is a thing. So wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. I have been harsh on, you have, to be fair, on yes. Boxall, Gasper, and Metonier on when they step up, when they lose lose the extra overlap runner all year long, even when we win. So you cannot say that I'm inconsistent on this. I'm not saying you're inconsistent. I'm just saying you know, those last those last game is very fresh in your mind. So uh, uh, I. I would say a couple of, a couple of other games are more fresher in my mind when I'm thinking of evaluating this defense. That's right. And yeah, yeah that, it, and it's not win or lose. It's like we we had some amazing clean sheets in there, largely because Colorado couldn't fucking score. So yeah, I'm I'm not quite as picky on my defense, but it certainly was a it went from the unassailable strength of the team last year to a little bit dodgy down the stretch. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say this was a B minus. Um, one of the things that I think was most frustrating to me, particularly as we go into the off season is you look at Metonair took a step back from last year. I think we can all agree on that, but then down the stretch, he played two or three really good games. Chase Gasper, I think also took a step back. Uh, Boxy stepped up per MJ occasionally too often. Uh, so it's it's really hard to point at what this team's best defense is going to be because guys were so inconsistent. Um, so I, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a challenging situation. I don't envy Heath having to figure out how to get the best out of this team. I'm just not convinced that Metonair, Boxall, or Debassi for that matter, Opara and Gasper is the back four that you want for a team that should have designs on MLS cup next year. But that said, I also don't know exactly who I want replaced out of there. I think it's probably Gasper, but I think he also has the brightest future. So it's a, it's a lot of choices to make. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say low B high B minus. All right. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, with Ike Opara being out really threw a wrench in things. And I think, I, I mean, I, I remember as we talked about coming back for the MLS's back tournament with the sort of, the, it was rumored that we were not going to have Ike Opara uh, back at all. And I, I feel like we were all just like, what the fuck are we going to do with our defense? <laughs> right? Like we were, we were definitely very concerned about the defense. And, you know, to its credit, they, you know, they, they did bend, but they didn't break often. Um, when they did, it was uh, epic and, and unfortunate. How, um, but for, you know, AHA stepped in admirably, uh, was, you know, a decent calming force. Um, Michael Boxo, again, really, I think, really stepped up in, in, a, in a major way, especially with Ozzy out for a long time. He was the captain of the team. Um, he was, you know, really, really proved himself as a, a, a worthy worthy member of the back line. Menier. Uh, there's I just remember, remember those couple games at the MLS's back tournament where he just looked like shit. Um, just terrible on defense and terrible getting forward as well. 
Uh, I think really, I mean, it might kind of would love to just go back and watch all of those, all of these games in different chunks. Right. Cause I think there's I think Minnesota has like three or four distinct chunks of their season um, that, that were not in this, this last say month and a half or so was clearly the best. And, and they clearly like figured it out, decided and, and were peaking at the right time. But there's a point there where I was, I was worried that I was thinking that Menier probably should be on the bench and shouldn't even, you know, definitely not starting and probably not getting into the lineup. Um, right at right right around the MLS back tournament there so you know I think when he was when he was given some more uh tactical thought and, and basically was like we don't need with when Reynoso shows up and this I think also coincides with Reynoso showing up and him not and Metnir not having to be the creative engine that he kind of was for long like long period large periods of time last year where he was the one doing all those crosses and as well as this year where it, it was way 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 ineffective or ineffective um when Reynoso was there and he can do those things Metnier can just focus on his defense right and then with to chase Gasper um kind of the same thing like the, he either needs to get better on offense or get better on defense ideally both but like he needs to pick if you can only do one just fucking pick one and do it I think it all goes back to whether Opar comes back next year and whether you can or or we target a, a center back in the, these potential DP situations that we, that, you know, it sounds like Minnesota could potentially have up to two DP spots. If you bring in another center back, um, if you don't think Opar is going to be back or just basically as a, you know, a third, a third center back there moving Debasi out to the left, because it's clear that um, most of the, of the good attacks that worked against Minnesota this year, we're attacking down their right-hand side, our left-hand side, attacking Chase Gasper. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to give it, uh, let's say, let's say six and a half loons. I'm going to mix up my grading every time so people <laughs> have no idea what's going on. Six and a half loons for the defense. Uh, all right, let's talk about our, our central midfield. So I broke this I broke this up um, basically into four, four big things, keeper, defense, central, like the midfield, and then the attack. Um, so, you know, we'll talk about the attack. We'll talk about some players who are, who are clearly midfielders, but I think the way this team is, is set up and structured, I think talking about the, the, the midfielders is a, makes more sense to tend to, to loop, to put Molinos, the Molinos and the, and the, the Ludes and the Finleys and those guys into that midfield uh, role. So uh, how I defined our, our sort of center midfield was Grey Goose, Dotson, uh, Ozzy Alonso, Ja'Cory Hayes, and Marlon Harrison. Um, Dan, do you want to start? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that really strikes me about the center midfield is how consistent it was, even though Adi Alonso missed a huge amount of time it the loons really found some, some pretty consistent play in there. Um, I still want Grey Goose to be a little bit better than he is, but that's maybe a little overly harsh. I'm going to say B plus for this unit. Cool. MJ. I'm going to go even higher. I'm going to say a minus, uh, Obviously, Ozzy missing a lot of the, the year isn't good, but I would just piggyback on Dan saying they, they were consistent. These are unsung heroes. They're, they don't get too flashy on making lots of defensive moves like a goalkeeper would, and they, you don't see them necessarily scoring the goals on the other end, but they're pretty important for a large part of the game 
especially in MLS where there are just a lot of midfield turnovers. And so their ability to go both directions defensively and offensively often spring some of the attacks and, and goals that you see. And I thought they did that really well. I especially was impressed once the coaching staff and our players figured out that with Ozzy out, rather than trying to shoehorn a, a Dotson, a Hayes, or a Harrison in as a defensive mid, they moved Grey Goosh left, made him the defensive mid, and let the, the young kid be the box-to-box -box, uh, center mid. And that, that was extremely beneficial. And you saw Marlon Harrison become much more confident in that sort of role. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much to add. You guys pretty much nailed it. I, the one question I know Rodrigo talks incessantly about this on the 55 one podcast is uh trading young gray goose. Um, I wonder what legitimately, what kind of trade value he has uh, in, in MLS, if someone would be willing to take on his contract, I just, because I think you could put Dotson into that role, especially if you, if you bring in like a will trap. Um, although, you know, obviously as we saw with, with Alonzo and with everybody, like, Having depth is important, especially next year, since Greg is going to be playing in Euros uh, in the summer of 2021. So definitely needing um, a little depth in the cent central midfield is, is a good, good, important thing. So, yeah, I, B plus, A minus, I, I can't really decide which one. So um, let's go uh, eight, eight and a half loons. So uh, and then finally, um, for the uh, players on the pitch, uh, the attack. So Molino Lude. Finlay, Reynoso, obviously were the, the big ones that towards this, especially towards the end of the year. But Kai Kamara uh, came in and played for a little bit. Mason Toy, um, very, very few brief cameos. Ma Amaria for two games. Schoenfeld got, what, about maybe 120 minutes in MLS this year. Uh, Tommy Chacon got less than that. Uh, and Foster Langsdorf got even less than that. So really we're talking about, you know, Molino, Lude, Finlay, Reynoso with a little bit of Kamara, Toy, and Amaria. MJ, let's start with you. What what do you make of the attack for Minnesota this year? You could almost divide this into three or four chunks, just chronologically. There was the Amaria era that was very, very brief and sweet. Then there was the MLS's back era where we're playing people out of position and still trying to figure out what's what's going on. And then there's the post Reynoso or the, the Reynoso era. And then at the tail end of that is the loot at false nine with Reynoso. And I would say, I would say before you get to Reynoso, there's loot on the right. They finally fucking figured out to put him yeah. on the right. And then Reynoso comes, then Reynoso is like shortly thereafter. So Those yeah, are really close timeline wise. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I like it. But so, yeah, I mean, and then, and then realizing that rather than start, Schoenfeld or or Kai Kamara that putting Lude up top is going to give the best attackers some free-flowing attack, allowing the interchanges. And these are, I would like to give grades to all of these seg segments, but that's not what this is about. So I have to compress everything together. I'm going to say solid B. Cool. Dan? I, uh, I do have to split these up because I, I refuse <laughs> to give the same grade to... Molino, Finley, Reynoso, and Lude, as I give to Kamara, Toy, Amaria, Schoenfeld, Chacon, and Langsdorf. Briefly interjecting here, Aaron Schoenfeld got 400 MLS minutes this year. Did he really? He appeared in 14 games with three starts. Uh, I guess I just totally blacked out those three starts. 
Cincinnati. He he, uh, ah. he scored. He scored in the Cincinnati game, and yeah, right. I couldn't couldn't tell you what the other two were off the top of my head. Um, look, the everybody but the nine. I think you'd have to say is yeah. Let's say yeah. This is an A unit. It really is. Like I can be I can be crotchety and point out things that are wrong, but the number of teams in MLS that wouldn't trade their attack as it was this season for Finley, Lude, uh, or not, uh, Molino, and Reynoso are few and far between. Seattle, maybe LAFC, not too many others. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know, find the things wrong and say, well, A minus or B plus or whatever. So this is an A unit. Uh, the actual strikers, on the other hand, this is a D plus. Like, I think it's, it's, I think it's a straight up F man. I'm, I'm sorry. This is like zero, uh, zero heats out of zero out of, you know, 500. <laughs> I got it. Terrible. Like I'm, I'm going to scoring guys. Amaria. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's, that's really what it is. Like, I think Amaria, Marie gets an incomplete. Everybody else gets a fucking F. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Like going through going through minutes and, and looking at contributions, it blew my mind that Kamara got more minutes, not by a ton, but but he did get more minutes in the same number of starts as Mason Toy, and he gave the Loons nothing. Like that One signing. Time. Like I I get why that signing was made. I don't think the the process that went into it was bad. The result was terrible. That's a horrible trade. Uh, I think I think Ruder put it out in whether I, I think was his his post uh, his post Seattle game match uh, morning loon or maybe it was talking about the roster updates. But he basically like it's the one tra- like the one the one trade in the MLS where one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a striker um, is actually a terrible terrible trade for the team <laughs> getting the striker. He's like normally that works out very well for the team getting the striker. So that's uh yeah. Well, and, and it cost us Mason Toy. And I realized that Toy didn't go to my Aunt Montreal and, and set the world on fire at all. But I would have I would have liked to have seen him with Reynoso. And well, now we'll never have that chance. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's wretched. Like, Langsdorf also gets an incomplete. But the guys up top just so consistently were a net negative for this team. And I think it's the, the number one position that they need to figure out going into 2021 because the false nine thing works sort of, but I'm not convinced it's going to work consistently. Like once that tape is out there, I don't know that teams will be as susceptible to it as they were in the last few games of the season. Cause they just never seen it before. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I tend to agree that that's pretty much almost word for word down with what you said. I, one thing uh, additionally, I'll, and, and I like MJ, I really like your thought of, of, basically putting it together in di- these different chunks of, of the top of the season. Right. And I really think um, Robin Lude before Minnesota United figured out to put him on the right was probably at best uh, a C minus. He got some, he was able to do some stuff, but again, it was really when he like was able to move around a lot. And then as soon as they put him on the right, I think he turns into an A and as we'll talk about here in a, in a second with the, the coaching and the technical staff, um, the, acquisitions that minnesota has made in the last three or four transfer windows have been have been pretty much spot spot on and i know we've talked about a little bit about that as it relates to adrian heath and you know whether he should be more of a sporting director versus the an actual manager of the team um so yeah so i what's well that's actually a really good segue let's jump into that what's i let's combine the 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 sporting side 
Um, the coaching staff, Adrian Heath, obviously, Ian Fuller, uh, Sean McCauley, who is – Sean McCauley runs the defense, right, MJ? Yeah, he's kind of considered a defense guy and, and a, a player manager sort of uh, uh, translating Heathies to the, yep. the players. Oh. Uh, which is very important. Uh, and then Stuart Kerr, the goalkeeping coach. Uh, and then on the technical side, again, Manny Lagos, sporting director, Mark Watson, technical director, and then Amos McGee, um, director of player personnel. So how would you, you know, Dan, I'll start with you. How would you rate the the sporting staff, the soccer staff uh, for Minnesota this year? And feel free to break, feel free to break these up however you want to. Like, I think, for example, like, I think Stuart Kerr, it's a fucking A plus for me for identifying and and working with um, uh, Dane St. Clair, but you know, obviously, have feel a little bit different about Adrian Heath. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think I'm going to take all of these guys at once. Uh, although I, I do agree with you, highlighting Stu Kerr as a, a phenomenal, just had an unbelievable season. Because there was one point where uh, due to injuries and roster rules fred emmings was in the game day 18 and i'm sure Stuart kerr was doing quite a bit of work not just getting him up to speed in terms of goalkeeping but just like hey this is what it means to be a pro like i know that you're 16 but you know you got to make yourself mentally ready for what happens if i think it was ranjit singh at that time right it's a post or gets kicked in the head or something oh yeah, so, yeah it was when it was when dane was just coming back from san antonio and was it was quarantined so he couldn't be in the he couldn't be in the roster so yeah like yeah. legit if rajit singh had gone down uh fred emmings would have gotten his 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 mls debut so <laughs> so yeah i mean full full marks to Stuart kerr on that but i'm gonna take everyone else together and honestly i like I have major grudge with Adrian Heath and anyone who listens to this podcast knows that, but you look at these guys, you look at what they had to deal with this year, not just with COVID, although certainly with that, but there's the sheer number of injuries the squad faced and they got down to a 78th minute lead in the conference final. And I think anything less than an A for that effort is doing them a huge disservice. Um, so, like, it honestly kind of pains me, but I got to give him an A. MJ? I'm going to give the technical staff, as far as, like, player acquisition and player personnel and all that, I'm going to give them an A, and I'm going to give uh, the coaching staff an A-. minus. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, guys, I'm struggling to, like, find the reasons to, to ding to ding the the coaching staff um which is a good a good thing right um as we talked about last podcast i believe if you'd have told me that in march before the season kicked off that in the 75th minute we would be beating seattle two nothing in seattle to go to mls cup so we were in the western conference finals um even if you told me we we're going to lose that game I would have been, I would have, I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat in March. Right. So I think as we saw what this team could do, especially with Bibolo, uh, bringing Bibolo in uh, and what he has done to just basically light the league on fire um, and all the work that Minnesota in Minnesota in Adrian and Mark Watson deserve a shit ton of credit for identifying Reynoso as the guy they wanted. And then just putting in the fucking frequent flyer miles going down <laughs> going down to uh to to, to boca juniors um to to make to get the deal done to make it happen because i think there's you know a, you could have easily just said well okay who's you know who's plan b on our list right and we'll we're gonna go with that one it, it you know that specific saga reminds me a lot of 
Liverpool and and Jurgen Jurgen uh, yeah Jurgen Klopp going after Virgil Van Dyke right when they couldn't get Virgil Van Dyke um, they got accused of tapping tapping him up and uh, and instead of just and, and every single Liverpool, every single Liverpool fan that I knew and probably including me was just like fuck it we need it we need a we need us we need a center back go get the next guy on the list right go get the next guy on the list he didn't they they just waited they. Uh, Made you know they made a Champions League final, but they did just go and find the next guy, and they went and got their guy in the in the summertime. So um, that the doggedness and that determinedness, knowing that they knew that Reynoso was the guy they needed in in the middle of that uh, you know again as Dan has said many times, the Reynoso size hole in our lineup, uh, they plugged it in with Reynoso instead of going and getting you know a second or third option, which may have papered over some of the things, but probably would definitely not have have given us what we got with Babelo this year. So I want to say that's a, that's a huge credit to the team, um, both to Watson and Heath. And again, so I don't know, I think I would say this is a, a B plus for sure on the coaching staff side. Um, Adrian, he still does stuff that just annoys the shit out of me. And that's part of his like existence. I think is he's just, he exists to annoy the shit out of me for some of the stupid shit that he does. Um, but you can't say that the team uh, uh, you can't say the team doesn't mostly buy into it with the you know the, the the few exceptions of your Mason toys and Raheem Edwards and you know him weirdly f- like freeze you know freezing out certain players in his in his ro- in his locker room most of the team responds to what Adrian Heath does so if if he is a guy who's going to be bringing us to conference finals on the regular I, you, you certainly there certainly are a lot of franchises in MLS who would kill to have somebody like that, who's, who's, you know, consistently making the team, um, you know, now let's see, there's two years in a row now. So now it's, it's a little more of a trend than it was after 20, 2019. Let's see what he does in 2021 though. So I'll just add that often I have criticized this team for moving the deck chairs on the Titanic, if you will, when it comes to coaching and technical staff, they move Mark Watson from the defensive coach to technical director. And he, flies down to Argentina a bunch of times and gets gets Reynoso. They bring in Sean McCauley, and as much as I criticize the defense on this team, you cannot argue that in a year without Icopara and sometimes without Icopara and Alonso, that our set-piece defense was better than it had been. And at certain times, our run-of-play defense was stronger. So moving Mark Watson from that sort of defensive coach role to the technical director, to me, is a win. Sean McCauley, as far as what he's been able to improve on with our defense, is a win. Um, and I think those are good good changes. Yeah. One, one thing I do... I'll talk for another time. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I do want to, to mention, and this they deserve... The team deserves a ton, a ton of, of, of black check marks for this, is, is what they did with their youth academy and what they have not been able to do with their youth academy. So I think that also needs to get... Uh, wrapped into this. I know we're, you know, obviously we're talking about the stuff on the, on the pitch, um, but all the things that transpired and it seems, I mean, that seems like it was so long ago, but it was literally like, like four months ago is when all that shit was going down with their youth Academy. So um, yeah, I, again, 2020 can just fuck right off as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, and I guess lastly, the front office, is there any, any, you know, anything you guys in particular want to highlight with the front office? I, I will say one thing and then I'll try to shut up about it. I've been really, I've been really disappointed with what the teams has done in terms of the 
the George Floyd protests, um, their complete lack of, I mean, they've done a few things, but just, it's all, it's all window dressing stuff. It's nothing, it's nothing, um, I, I mean, it's legitimate, but I don't think it's, it, it's making as much of an impact as they think um, and seem to be thinking it's making. Uh, it's been really frustrating as someone who's been working with the team on, on a few things. Um, you know, was working on, on the uh, Neighbors United funding thing and, and just their, the complete lack of commitment from the team on that. Um, I have some, you know, I really like a lot of people in that front office. I'm, I consider myself friends with a few of them. And just to see, uh, I, don't, I don't even know, it's, it's just if it's, if it's a um, just unwillingness to do something or stubbornness. I think one of the big things that the team never really considered is what they were doing by putting that stadium where they did. Um, I think there's a, a large resentment in the neighborhood, uh, which I didn't really pick up on until until this year. Uh, and then, you know, I was talking with some people who are not soccer fans and, and realizing the the team has done absolutely nothing, um, more or less, com comparatively to what the team can afford to do and what the team has said they were willing, to, they were going to do in terms of like making themselves a part of the community. They've done, they've almost done the exact opposite of that. Um, so that's been a really, really frustrating thing for me to watch because it's something I care about this community. I live in the community. I care about the community. I care about the team and watching them just kind of like, in my estimation, shit the bed on this stuff is, uh, is frustrating. So I don't want to, don't want to give grades or anything about that, but I think it's, I think it's important to highlight. Um, we talk about all the, the good stuff. Um, it's not all great that we do need to talk about some of the stuff that is not so great. And hopefully that it changes uh, for next year. Yeah. And I don't think it's a fool's hope to say that it, it can and and maybe even that it will i mean i think i think the team in a lot of ways was hanging on as it was before uh the stuff of the summer the george floyd protests Coleman not uh participating with teammates all that kind of stuff and i think i think that stuff really threw them for a loop um and i i wholeheartedly hear your frustration but I think giving them a little bit of grace to say, okay, like you survived, congratulations, but now you really do. The clock is ticking. You need to do better and you need to do better quickly. I don't think that's irrational either. So I, I think the team should know, and, and my hope is that they do, that these issues are burning and they do need to address them. But I can't say I'm super shocked that it didn't get handled incredibly well this year considering the team was basically in crisis mode from game three on. Yeah, no, I understand. And, you know, trust me, there's been a lot of, uh, I know there's been a lot of communication about this and it's this, they're, they're also, they're sort of like fundamental lack of understanding is also what is probably the most concerning, which is again, the front, this front office and the, the, you know, the marketing and everything, like it's not surprising at all that they were fundamentally misunderstanding what the sentiment and what the, the temperature of the room was. So, um, which is, that's something we should, we continue to, we should continue to let them know. Cause like they're, they keep fucking that up and that's, that's some, that's stuff that they, it's really easy for them to fix. But uh, MJ, do you have anything uh, that you want to talk about for the front office? The year is 2020 and we've been through um, one heck of a pandemic that we're still in. And so rather than talk about the, chief operating officer and the chief revenue officer and the marketing team. And I mean, I thought the, the, the online engagement team did much better this year than any of the previous years in a lot of respects. 
but because of all the injuries and the COVID protocols, I'm going to give a shout out to the, the, the medical staff. Amy Klopach, uh, Dr. Amy Klopach is the chief medical officer. She has four MDs working under her and the Stacey Harden is the director of sports medicine and rehabilitation. She's the trainer that you see run onto the field. Every time one of our players goes down, hats off to those guys and gals. Right. Yeah. That's, um, I believe uh, Dr. Stacey gets a lot of, um, I think she's won awards for the, the work that she's done yeah. with Minnesota. So um, yeah, they are, they are fantastic. So, all right. Um, okay. So, you know, we, obviously there's a lot of off season coming up. Um, we're talking a little bit about those things here in a second, but um, what does Minnesota need to do this off season? I know we kind of, we kind of hinted and alluded at some of the things, uh, some of the, the finer points that we need and think Minnesota needs to do. But if, uh, if you are given sort of run of the run of the, of the insane asylum, Dan, um, what would you do uh, for Minnesota to make this a, a successful off season? Uh, you know, in opposition to certainly the 2018 off season and even into last off season to a certain extent, my wish list for this team is is practical and it's details and they're important, but it's not wholesale changes. You know, going into last year, we really, or sorry, going into this year, we, we really needed a better attack and we needed it coming from a lot of different directions. As he went out and got Amaria, who I think would have been good. They got Reynoso, it took a little bit longer. So that's a very successful window. So compared to those needs, my, I think my list of demands here is, is very reasonable and I don't see any reason that you won't comply with it. Do not send the cops in. <laughs> uh, so my number one is loan, loan Thomas Chacon. Uh, I, I feel super badly for the kid. I mean, it's pretty clear that he is not part of the present in Minnesota. I don't think he ever was. Um, so I, I'm unclear why the loan situation never never came to fruition i know they're talking about loaning him to europe i don't really care i i want him on the field getting minutes learning how to be a professional so that is my number one with a bullet number two uh trade tyler miller um i think this team is never going to be lafc la galaxy uh even in inter miami in terms of being able to just throw money left and right so having a starting caliber asset sitting as your backup, that's probably a waste of, of resources. So I would say trade Miller, clear his salary. Uh, I don't have a huge preference in terms of whether they get an ungodly amount of gam and tam back or if they go to a player, um, but get him off the roster. Get a plan of attack with Ike Opara is number three. Um, here again, if Ike believes he's going to be healthy and feels ready to start the season, super go forward with that. If he's saying, I'm I'm not going to be that full-time player anymore, that's honestly fine too. I just need the team to know so they can sort of make decisions around that. Uh, this is probably the most controversial, uh, and that would be buy down Jan Gregush. Uh, in his contract, he has a clause that allows them to buy him down from a DP player to a TAM player. So go ahead and exercise that. I will add here though, I think Jan Gregush might be the most underrated member of Minnesota United. I think he does a lot more than than it looks like he does it's his his influence on the game is the kind of stuff that never shows up on a stat sheet but it is super influential uh when i say i want more out of him is that i think he could be a scorer for this team and, and add that dimension which we kind of haven't seen 
And then once he's bought down, go out and get a DP striker. In Reynoso, you know you have someone who can play the angles, play crazy balls in, really make a good attacker great, make a great attacker legendary. So spend the money and go out and get someone who is a difference maker in their own right and then let them flourish alongside an elite passer. Yeah. So there's uh, so to a couple of your points, um, there was a little bit of clarity uh, that Heath gave in his, uh, his interview at the end of the year um, about Michael Parr's situation. Um, he kind of alluded to concussions being an issue. Um, I, I just, I think there's, I think there's more there. I think, um, I think part of it is, this, I don't know if Michael Parr felt safe um, playing with COVID being such something that was, you know, so prevalent. So I think if there's a, you know, obviously with, I saw a tweet before we just, right before we started, but vaccine stuff is like rolling into Minnesota today. So we obviously like that is something on the horizon. I think that will make um, Ike Opara um, feel a little more comfortable. And really, I think the biggest, obviously, even, even with, that, I think the biggest issue with him and, and the biggest concern that I'm sure he probably has as well as concussions and making and figuring out a plan to make sure that he is uh, as safe as possible um, playing. And then um, to the Thomas Jacone point, there, so I've heard some rumors uh, from people I trust about that there was Chacon had. There's a couple loans that Chacon had that he basically put the he put the the veto on um, at towards the end of the, this year, like at the end towards the end of the year. Like there's some opportunities that, that that were had, and I don't know why. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone knows why. Um, maybe he just feels comfortable here in Minnesota and doesn't want to go to. I I heard I. I'm, pretty sure i heard there was a european team involved and there was a a league mx team involved um so i it surprises me that he wouldn't want to go um someplace where obviously spanish is a is the is the the first language um and he could get some playing time um so <laughs> who the hell knows the thomas you're going i really and adrian Heath did mention uh loaning out chacon was there probably one of their like main things to get done before like in january like right away getting him out out and playing right away so um, MJ, what are your what are your thoughts on what Minnesota needs to do? I want to see some depth signings, specifically center back, regardless of whether Icapara comes back full time or not. Just having the calm Mon- Montgomery is a good start in that respect, but like with Aha gone, Musa gone, like let's get an- another body there in center back that I would like to see challenge, you know, Boxel or Debasi for that second spot alongside Icopara. Second depth defensive midfielder, Will Trapp could definitely solve a lot of this, but we I've said before, we need an Ozzy Lonzo understudy slash, you know, sub off the bench and try to keep Ozzy's minutes more manageable. We've all talked about this striker. We need a striker. Um, is uh Luis Amaria going to be that number one guy? Do we need to bring someone else in? I say yes. And lastly, and I know this is kind of controversial, but we need someone to sub in for Reynoso. Um, We've all talked about Molino's dribbling abilities and when he's the, the guy that has to be the creative playmaker person and dribbling around with the ball in tight spaces, that's not what he does well. And that's something that's in his toolbox, but we don't want him to be the person if Reynoso gets injured or if we need to rest Reynoso or just take him out of the game at the end of the game. We should have someone else that 
preferably someone who could play both the eight and and the ten, or the ten in a wing, but a utility player that could come in and operate in those tight spaces that Reynoso does. I got two words for you, MJ and Dan. You're gonna really like this. Mezit Ozo. <laughs> I'm not saying no. I'm not. Mezit I'm not. Ozo. Um, the real, yeah, the only real question here is not would I buy a Mesut Ozil Minnesota United jersey, but would I ever wear anything else? <laughs> <laughs> nope, I don't think so. Um, you guys, that's yeah. You guys pretty much it, it nailed everything. I would say, I really think either investigating a a left back, um, a starting caliber left back, or a starting caliber center back basically to shift Debassi uh, over um, or to replace Chase, I mean, to, to replace Chase Gasper with either Debassi shifting over um, from the center back role um, or for a straight up left back that can, can play. Um, I think Gasper is fine. I would actually like to see, I actually wouldn't mind if we, we get a left back and, and having Gasper and, you know, if Minnesota decides to play some sort of like a, a four, three, three, or, a, you know, a three, five, two with, with Gasper as sort of that left wing back, um, with his most of his focus being getting forward and offensive and playing offense. He needs to, I think obviously he needs to work on some, a few things like, you know, being able to cross the ball, but we've seen what that dude can do when he has the ball at his feet and he turns into Pedro. Um, he's fun to watch, but he so often is not Pedro. <laughs> and that is, uh, and that is the problem. And then I think the big thing, sorry, MJ, uh, the big thing I also I'll say is that is you said depth and, and that's, good and fine we need to get depth that adrian heath trusts to bring in in the 75th minute of a western conference final right that's a big thing that we that he talked about um and i I don't think he was wrong in saying he just didn't have he didn't have the players in his roster uh the first few years right the first couple years Um, he didn't have pillars that he trusted that's partially on him that's partially on manny and amos um he has basically been the one making decisions. Him and Mark Watson have been the ones making decisions the last basically year and a half. Uh, again, three, four transfer windows, basically. And again, I think they've nailed pretty much every decision with the exception of Kai Kamara, um, the, the very notable exception of Kai Kamara. I think they've pretty much nailed almost every single one of their acquisitions that have, have played meaningful, relatively meaningful minutes. I'm not, I, I don't throw the three three oh nine one one guys into that into that mix. But of the guys they've... They've gone after two who are, you know, Schoenfeld, I guess, would be another one that was like, I mean, anybody could have done what Schoenfeld did for the most part. Any tall ass, uh, uh, you know, kid in America. Um, so getting depth that Adrian Heath can trust, that's you're not going to see a huge drop off in, in talent from our starting 11 to, you know, the five, six, five or six guys that are going to come off the bench regularly for you. So um yeah mj sorry you you had something else you wanted to say oh i would be very interested on the whole pedro versus chase argument what does chase look like with a full year of ike opara commanding that back line you know is ike able to yell at him in certain situations or to make him aware of certain situations and positioning that would drastically improve what we think of chase gasper as opposed to with, without him. And, and that's a nice what if. Um, yeah. And then I guess the other, uh, sort of the other big one is Kevin Molino is, uh, is out of contract. <clears throat> Again, this is um, from Reuters article. Uh, 
he's basically said, you know, the offer is there for Kev. It's the max deal he can get in America. So we can't do an awful lot more. We're hoping we're hoping I get it. If he wants to see what's out there, I understand, but we're hoping he accepts and decides to come back. If he doesn't, nothing we can do about that. And it's the player's prerogative. So it, that sounds like they made an offer to Kevin Molino and that they've offered him as much as they possibly can. So um, take that, <laughs> take that for what, you know, what you will. I can't imagine they're giving him a DP offer. So it must be the highest they can offer him without giving him a DP. Spot. Right. Yes. That's, I think that's, that's what it was, what I, that's what I read from that as well. So I'm, I'm never going to judge a player for going out and getting as much money as they can. Oh no. hundred percent. Play, playing careers are get short. Paid. <laughs> yeah. Get paid. Absolutely. hundred percent. That said, uh, Adrian Heath has shown Kevin Molino, the type of loyalty that we flat out say teams don't show players. So I'm not saying Kevin Molino owes Adrian Heath a damn thing. But if he stays in the U.S. and signs away from Minnesota United, I'm going to be a little pissed, and I think he has the right to be as well. Uh, all right, there's sort of a final question. Um, this is related to, uh, Dan, something that you talked about. We talked a little about when we were talking about the keepers. Should Minnesota United go into camp with both Miller and Dane St. Clair? Uh, and then if not, who gets traded? And uh, MJ, let's start with you. According to another soccer podcast in the community, Jeff Ruder had a newsletter or an email in which he said that due to Dane St. Clair's contract and that Minnesota United has more control over that contract currently than Tyler Middle, Miller and probably price points that Dane St. Clair would most likely be the one to stay and they would be looking to shop Tyler Miller if the choice came to that. It's not a lot to go on just what I hear. Yeah. And I mean, that's certainly logical, right? Dane St. Clair is younger. He's cheaper. He's a generation Adidas player. So his cap hit at this point is basically non-existent. Um, I think the interesting thing in this situation is that everything that St. Clair, that makes St. Clair a better long-term option also makes him more valuable in trade. Right. So I like, I've already, I've already put my, my marker on the field here. I mean, I think Miller's the one that should be traded, but if you're Minnesota United and you can, go get you know uh one of the top strikers in the league and i don't know who's available i mean lafc for example had massive goalkeeping issues this year and is much much stronger in the attack they're trade not getting up to trade tyler miller back to him <laughs> yeah exactly well i mean honestly would they no well okay i was thinking you know can you make a really compelling offer that involves st Clair? and i think you absolutely can so that they don't end up back in this position again. I don't necessarily think they would take Tyler Miller back. The flip side of that is knowing what they know now with the fact that Vermeer is not a first division keeper. Uh, and I am blanking on who their backup was, but he wasn't really either. Do you think they would have given up Tyler Miller in the first place? I don't. Not if they know, not, not knowing what they knew, what they found out about, about their keeping situation in LA. No, for not, a, not, a, not in a hundred years. And uh, David Bingham is unprotected in the expansion draft for right. LA Galaxy. Like Sebastian, I'm not Sebastian. Stefan Fry is getting older. I don't think Seattle's ready to move on yet. But you can construct a scenario in which Dane St. Clair is a really, really, really hot trade commodity. So a hypothetical. If so, let's let's pretend Tim Malia um, doesn't exist. Melia, damn it, we've been over this. Melia. <laughs> Um, let's keep calling him Malia. Uh, so he doesn't exist. Um, but Sporting Kansas City has Alan Polito, 
Would you trade Dane St. Clair straight up for Alan Polito? Yes. In our what, what is the what is the striker? Where where do you draw the line? I I I tend to agree with you on that one. Um, but where 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 do you draw the line? Like what striker? You know, off the top of your head, what like what striker wouldn't you trade for? Um, like obviously Carlos Gill. I would trade for I would trade Dane St. Clair for Carlos Carlos Gill. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think most of the DP strikers I would. Here here is my logic, uh, and I say this as someone who loves Dane St. Clair, who thinks the Loons should keep him and keep him long term. I think they should do everything in their power to to keep him around for the next 10, 15 years. To be honest, but you look at the keepers this team has had in Bobby Shuttleworth for two seasons, Vito Minone, Tyler Miller, and then now DSC. None of those players were the weak part of the team. They were always adding something in goal. And Shuttleworth wasn't great shakes. There's there's no scenario in which I would hope for him to be back over Miller or DSC. But the point is, American goalkeeping talent is really good. Uh, Zendejas is a perfectly capable backup. I mean, Timalia, Melia, damn it, now you got me doing it. Fuck! Um, <laughs> finally worked. Finally getting you to do it. I hate you. You're a bastard and I hate you. Um, you know, <laughs> Tim Melia, the story of him coming to Kansas City is he was the pool goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, he was he was truly like chopped liver. So there is an incredible amount of goalkeeping talent that just sort of ambiently exists in this country. And I don't really know why that is. But I mean, you think about the history of U.S. players playing abroad. It was typically keepers. You know, it's, it's Tim Howard and Casey Keller and Brad Friedel and a zillion other guys. Yeah, exactly. So. Dane St. Clair like, is Canadian. I know Dane St. Clair is Canadian, but he's still within the general vicinity of the North American talent pool. Because honestly, so Canada's obviously behind, right? But you've got Clement Diop, who's been playing really well. You have, why am I blanking on... Who was the keeper down uh, in Orlando who absolutely stood on his head? He's like 15. Oh, the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, anyways, yes. That guy, who I, I'm sorry I don't remember his name. Dane St. Clair obviously is in this conversation. He will probably be Canada's number one at some point. But, I mean, even there, you have this breadth of talent that's pretty easily available. Um do I think whoever comes in is as good as Dane St. Clair? No, nah, probably not. It probably leaves the Loons consistently going back and looking for a goalkeeper two or three times again over that 10-year period that I'd like to keep Dane St. Clair. The flip side of that is look how often this team has needed a striker. We need a striker going into 2020. We needed a striker going into 2019. We needed a striker going into 2018. We needed a striker going into 2017. And at this point, the entire run of this team in MLS is, shit, this team needs a striker. So if you tell me we can get Alan Polito or Carlos Vela or Carlos Heal or Raul Rui Diaz or any of these really top-tier strikers and all I have to do is give up Dane St. Clair, I love Dane St. Clair, and I'll still fucking help him pack. (laughs) The the Vancouver Whitecaps goalkeeper we were trying to think of was Maxime Cripo. No. No, and Maxine Crapeau was their starting goalkeeper. Yeah, the other one. The oh, other you kid. want the, the, the backup one. Yeah. Anyways, uh, MJ, do you, have, do you have anything else you want to add here? Or? No. Okay. Uh, Dan Dan said said it really well as far as Dane St. Clair's like, pros and cons. Yeah. I think I think the, the legitimate question here is when do you trade 
Tyler Miller. Um, <laughs> not if, but like when is, do you, do you go into camp with both of them and, and, you know, with the knowledge that you are going to be offloading him and, and waiting for someone to make an offer? Or are you trying to, you know, trying to find somebody, a, a dance partner, if you will, um, sooner rather than later. So I guess that is like the big question. Like, do you like how much leverage? And honestly, like, I, I, I tend to believe that you should actually, the Minnesota should wait for the best possible offer that they can get. And that means you're going into training camp with both Tyler Miller and Dane St. Clair. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I don't even think it's the worst thing in the world. If you start the season with both of them, with the expectation that, you know, you you've communicated to, you know, whomever is the one that's going to not be there, that you are working on something. You're not just like, you know, dragging your feet or whatever, but I really think Minnesota is in a good position. They should do their best to get the, the best possible trade that they can. So, all right, let's take a break. Um, Thomas oh, yeah, is Saul. Thomas is Saul is the keeper that we were talking about. Years old, but yes, okay. And and he's twenty one. Yeah. Well, twenty one, fifteen. It's all the same at this point. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, other United news. Um, break down some of uh, what we might expect to see from Austin, and then we got a few other things to talk about. So we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want you. And welcome back to the Dave Zeno podcast. Uh, some other United news. We obviously have a expansion draft tomorrow, or uh, today, actually, if you're listening to this podcast, at 5 p.m. Uh, if you want to see the expansion draft protected list, you can go to MLSsoccer.com. Check it out there. Um, Minnesota will not be losing anybody in this draft, obviously, because they had Abu Dhabi picked last year by Nashville. Um, and you can't have lose someone in multiple years in a row. Um, but Abu Jamadi, who is not protected by Nashville in this expansion draft. So, you know, take that for, for what you will. So uh, big dates coming up. Uh, free agency starts the uh, the next day on the 16th with uh, Wednesday. Free agency and is w- weird in MLS because there's only, I believe there's only like 12 actual free agents in the league right now. Because um, you need to have a certain number of years in MLS. You need to be at least uh, at least 24 years old. Uh, there's just a lot of really strange. Um, I mean, it's baseball also has strange, weird free agent rules. Um, all sports have in the in the United States have in North America um, have weird rules about when you are eligible to free agent or whatnot. But MLS was particularly bad until the most recent CBAs when they actually got a little bit better, a little bit closer to being actual able to move around where they would like to go. Um, there are some reentry drafts for players whose options were declined. Um, so Minnesota picked up uh, Rajit Singh in the uh, one in the I think it's the was it the stage one reentry draft last year or the stage I can't remember which one. There's two different reentry drafts. Uh, Minnesota picked up Rajit Singh in that uh, uh, draft last year. So there's a very real possibility Minnesota might make a move. There are some interesting players um, available. Um, and then yeah, then basically. Super draft will be sometime in, in early mid January. Um, yeah, is there anything you want? Do you guys any, want to talk about any of the specific players that were made available? Obviously, we mentioned David Bingham uh, a little bit ago before the before the break. So probably the only name that's super relevant to Loons fans is Will Trap being uh, being available. Uh, it, Austin could get cute and try to you know leverage something off 
Minnesota United. Trap doesn't have to sign with them, and then he would be a, a free agent. What like ten hours later or Basically, something? Basically, like yeah, that. they would they would they would draft him to get six hours of uh, <laughs> of his rights. <laughs> but um, on- weird, but you know. I mean, honestly, like your fifth round expansion pick isn't worth a lot more than that. So, so I did see. So Claudio Reyna is the GM, sporting director, or whatever of Austin, and uh, there was a, a he saw a story. I think it was on the Athletic today that he said that they're planning. So a lot of times the um, expansion draft is used uh, by other teams, so they get uh, you know the team that's coming in to pick a player that they are interested in, and then they trade that player to the um, for example, uh, uh, Colin Warner being a great example. Who do we we picked up somebody we traded for? Uh, Femi Hollinger Jenkins. No, Jansen. Right. Sorry, Jansen. Uh, Jansen, who was then supposed to turn into Teal Bunbury. Yes, but it became Bobby Shuttleworth. <laughs> um, <laughs> Worst uh, game of Pokemon ever. Yes, Nashville. You know, Nashville did it as well last year. Um, Clarine has has indicated that he plans on using the expansion draft to actually pick up players. And we'll talk a little bit about what Austin, because Austin has made some moves already, and we'll talk a little bit about what they have right now. Um, so there's some, you know, there's some serviceable MLS veterans, uh, players with MLS experience in here. And really interesting to see, um, just based on, uh, maybe we should jump into Austin FC and talk about what they've done, because they look a lot more like they're trying to do what Nashville did, as opposed to what, you know, Minnesota and uh, LAFC and you know, Atlanta. Atlanta have done. Um, MJ, why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about what moves Austin made uh, uh, the last couple of days? So they earlier this year they they got Rodney uh, Redes from from Paraguay. He was playing in the uh, Paraguay top division, and so he was their first signing. He's a winger. He's only twenty years old. But not that long after they got as their second signing, their designated player, Cecilio Dominguez, who's also from Paraguay. And he's a striker. And they basically, after they got him from the top, uh, uh, he was played for Club America, I believe. After they got him from Club America, they loaned him to Club Atletico Independiente in Argentina. So he's been playing in Argentina for you know the last few months. But, uh, you know, taking a striker from a club like Club America or America, uh, that's pretty impressive. And then, like you said, following more Nashville's line, really trying to make their back line and central midfield robust. Uh, Nick Lima is the big name that jumps out at me at right fullback from San Jose. Uh, center back uh, Julio Cascante from Portland, uh, Ben Sweat, the left fullback from uh, Inter Miami, and then attacking midfielder like uh, Ulysses Segura from DC United. So a lot of people there that I think really helped solidify the core and back line of the club. You guys probably know a little bit more about these names than I do. Does any of those names jump jump out at you? I, I should also add they got uh, right winger John Gallagher from Atlanta. But. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely going for the younger younger build they're not going to be as dp reliant as miami or lafc or atlanta have been nick lima is obviously the biggest name here ben sweat's a perfectly capable defender um if they are going for the the nashville model i think they need to trade for a truly great defender 
Um, and I don't see that on the roster yet. It's, it's a bunch of really interesting names. I give them full marks for that. Uh, but part of what made Nashville so great this year was obviously Walker Zimmerman, defender of the year. Uh, and then uh, their keeper, who had uh, his absolute career year. And I don't see either of those guys on this roster yet. So I don't know. Maybe this is a place where you think about trading a Tyler Miller. Lord knows. I mean, right. when, when teams come into to MLS – they're granted just an ungodly amount of gamma and TAM. And we saw Nashville use that really effectively last season to trade for players within the league. And right. I think they did that more effectively than either Minnesota or Atlanta had. So I like if you're Minnesota and you're, you're sitting on Tyler Miller, honestly, Austin probably gives you your, the biggest bang for your buck simply because they have so much of this dang money to spend it. They've got to spend it within the first, what is it? Two windows, three windows, something, like, something that. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if like who they take in, in the expansion draft, and you know, because if I mean, you have a guy like David Bingham is he's a serviceable, decent goalkeeper for a, a you know a decent MLS squad. So um, I think it'll be really interesting to see what Austin does tomorrow night. And I think we'll yeah, if, if they don't pick a goalkeeper, um, I if you're not if you're Adrian Heath and you're not calling down to Claudio Reyna to see about Tyler Miller, I think you that's a a capital offense and you should be drawn and quartered for for that so um but yeah Dan, i think you're right i think austin if you can if you can send someone to austin um they definitely have the money to spend so um now would be the time to that would be the time to do it uh fuck, and then yeah fuck anthony precourt fuck anthony precourt yes and especially if you can yeah if you fuck him going in and coming out um even better so uh all right other bit of mls news uh black players for change was named the mls works humanitarian of the year uh, MJ, you want to talk a little bit about this? Well, they've been doing a lot of things. One on the merch side, you know, several T-shirts that they designed uh, to raise money for Black players, uh, charities, and things like that. But they also worked with several corporate partners to build 12 uh, mini pitches around the United States. The first one that went in in New Jersey not that long ago. I'm hopeful that these pitches will be granted access to the neighborhoods that they serve and not gatekeeped like a gated community or a private club. So I'm hoping these will be actual public pitches that are open to the public. Um, they also did, the Black Players for Change did a nonpartisan voter drive, helping not only uh, fans, but players coaches, team, team staff to get registered. And uh, so nonpartisan voter drive, and that pushed the league and club offices to close on election day, which I consider a huge win. MLS Works uh, is donating $5,000 to Black Players for Change uh, for winning this humanitarian award. In the past, three out of the last four years, the, the person or the group that has won this uh, humanitarian award, Matt Lampson. For for Lam Lampstrong and his work with uh, childhood cancer, so he Lam Matt Lampson has, has won three three out of the last four years. Um, Hollings Ryan Hollingshead, I think, won the other re recently, and uh, Kai Kamara would have been fairly recent as well with his uh, uh, heart shaped hands um, charity. So I think this is a step in the right direction. Is it just window dressing? I think it's a little more than that. Cool, that's awesome. That is, that's fantastic to hear. So, 
Uh, all right, NJ, you're up again with uh, your as our Asian soccer correspondents. Um, oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> I was the hyphen in that. Yes. <laughs> yes, well, there is. <laughs> what, what did I miss there? Well, you could either be our Asian soccer correspondent <laughs> or our Asian soccer correspondent. Yes. So the hyphen, where the hyphen exists, matters a lot. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> leave that, uh, leave that, leave that in the ether for you. So I think <laughs> I like the ambiguity, Dan. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, fine. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna be talking about a flogging bone, so that should say something. <laughs> so. Uh, AFC Champions League is getting down to the final rounds, and the times are ungodly if you live in North America. But if you get a chance to eat Asian soccer at this level, is really fun to watch. Uh, the, unfortunately, if you like watching European veterans, uh, the team uh, Viseo Kobe out of Kobe, Japan, where Kobe beef comes from, the, that team who has Andres Iniesta. And Thomas Vermeulen is out. <laughs> um, they lost two to one after extra time to Ulsan Hyundai, uh, which is the Hyundai team, the team sponsored by the heavy motors division of Hyundai um, that finished second in K League this year. So uh, Ulsan Hyundai is going to the finals. Uh, they will play Persepolis out of Iran, who after a 1-1 draw with Al Nasser out of Saudi Arabia, won in penalty kicks 5-3. So for those that aren't familiar, AFC divides their Champions League into West and East. The West is Central Europe, also known as the Stands, and uh, the Middle East. The East is you know, South Asia and India and Southeast Asia and the Far East. So uh, you got a Korean team going against an Iranian team, Screw you, AFC uh, qualifying uh, coefficients that rated the J League as the top league this year and rated the Saudi Arabia League the second best league. And somewhere after Qatar is, you know, Iran and Korea. They were fifth and sixth. So they're going to the, the final. It's on Saturday, December 19th in Qatar, the country that has a lot of money and you know, is completely above board with uh, all the money they give to football. Right, right. Definitely not uh, human rights abusing all over the place there in, in Qatar. So, uh, cool. Uh, do you know Do you know what channel? Is that going to be on somewhere? Like, we watch that on Saturday morning? I, I don't offhand. Um, right. If you give me a, a moment uh, while you, got, you and Dan talk about Europe, I can probably find it by, by the end of the pod. Oh, I don't want to talk about fucking Europe. Why Something. not? Come on. <laughs> um, as, as much as you don't want to talk about Europe, I want to talk about Europe so much less. I I was watching I was watching uh, uh, the St. Pauli game, and they came back and, and got a two-two draw in, in like you know in literally like the 90th minute. Um, but it was just so shit. And then Liverpool play, and they played like shit. MJ, I, you know, if you want to talk about Everton, good job. Congratulations on beating uh, Chelsea. Um, so, yeah, if you want to talk about it, Dan and I, are, I think, are both pretty much, yeah. We, we did not week. have our, our our two good fullbacks, and and we didn't have James Rodriguez, and we still beat Chelsea 1-0. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Also, Union Berlin. 
played host to one Bayern Munich, and they scored within like the first eight minutes, and they ended up holding on for the draw one one. So that's that's awesome. That is very cool. Um, yeah, I there's a lot like EPL's back uh, midweek. Um, I know Liverpool plays Spurs on on Wednesday, um, so it'll be I don't know. We'll see. Just, I'm, no fans though. So after after very notably having allowed fans for the last couple of games, is the, the I thought I thought Liverpool is still tier two. Are they? I know all of London moved to tier three again, and Manchester never broke down to tier two. Yeah, I think, I think Liverpool. I think Liverpool is still in tier two. So I think Liverpool would have will have fans. Okay. Um, uh, at Anfield on on Wednesday, so which that's a top of the table top of the table clash between the Spurs and, and Liverpool. So. Um, yeah, honest, the, the best match from from Europe this weekend was in the WSL between Manchester City and Arsenal. And sorry, Dan, uh, Manchester City at, at the 90th minute mark in stoppage time, one to one. I feel like the Arsenal women have completely dominated damn near every game they've played this season and have given up at least two. And I think it's three goals in stoppage time to either draw or lose games. And it's just brutal. Like they're playing super well. And uh, Viviana Miedema is laying claim to the best women's player in the world right now. And they just, they can't quite get across the line, which is frustrating in a wholly different way from the men's team, which is uh, honestly like watching a kiddie soccer game, but no parent or coach can say anything. So you're really just relying on the players, like a, like a six-year-old's instinct to, to put together a comprehensive soccer performance. All right. Did you, do you find if that, uh, I I'm looking at FOTMOB and it says there's, does not showing a, a channel for the, yeah, for the so it's at 6am on Saturday, 6am on Saturday morning, which is not a, like the 3am that often these games are at. Um, the best I can say is Fox sports 503 out of Australia. Um, All right. So uh, there's also a channel out of Macau and a channel out of Japan, and you won't want to watch. Should those check. Two. I should check and see if my VPN, if I can place myself in Australia and, and maybe use Fubo, um, might be able to pick it up. So yeah, um, like if you can get your VPN into Australia, you probably can find a a, a feed from from Fox from Fox Australia somehow. All right, duly noted. Uh, all right, so a couple. Final housekeeping things. Minnesota United is hosting, speaking of the, the team not doing enough, um, uh, uh, Supply Drive for Open Hands Midway, which is really awesome. Congratulations. I mean, it's it's, it's a really great thing. It's uh, this weekend, the 18th through the 20th. Uh, you can drop your stuff off at the Black and Blue Team Store at Allianz. I'm sure if you go to the Minnesota United website, there's more information on what, they, um, what they'll accept and everything. Uh, and I think I mentioned... <clears throat> Or no, maybe I didn't mention because I think those. So, so we had the Dark Cloud Silent auction. Um, I helped run it again this year. Raised almost four. We raised like thirty nine hundred dollars, almost four thousand uh, dollars, which was fantastic. Um, uh, KJ, if you are a longtime uh, Minnesota United, uh, Minnesota, uh, the NSC Stars, the Thunder, um, might know KJ. Um, he's a super awesome dude. Uh, lives out in California. He's actually going to join the pod. Um, he won uh, the Dave's I Know Silent Auction item at the uh, Dark Cloud Silent Auction. 
I was actually just chatting with him a little bit ago, and I think we're going to talk. We're probably going to wait till he, the schedule gets announced next year. Um, KJ is uh, a traveling. He, he lets travel to matches and go to away matches. And so I think I want to have him on to talk about what the, the away day experience is like. If you've never gone to travel for an away day match, um, you know, if you've ever gone, you've probably seen KJ. Um, he's pretty a uh, hard dude to miss, but uh, he'll be very excited for him that to him join the podcast sometime in 2021. He also is a huge Norwich fan. So, and they're right. doing well in the championship as in probably getting re-promoted. So it'll be fun to talk to him about the Canaries. Right. Yeah. I forgot we can talk Norwich soccer as well. So, uh, and then finally, guys, since this is going to be probably more than likely our last podcast of the of 2020, um, I just want to say a quick shout out and thank you to all the Patreon members, um, everybody who jumped in and, and joined, um, whether it was this month or, you know, back when we started this thing a couple years ago. Um, it really is uh, kind of it's kind of amazing that we have we don't have a ton of people, um, but the fact that we do have people who are consistently um, stepping up and uh, we're trying to i'm trying to figure out more things to do for the patreon side so again like you said if you have any ideas but i just want to say thank you to cameron werner michael benson maddie spillum uh jesse nick hopman maggie hire erlinson uh rob Leduc, uh anna daly janice stark sean reibel eric grady matt turf josh veely helen paz nick vorpal um Bill Lindeke, Bridget McDowell, uh, we love Bridget, Brian Hanf, Jake Chalcraft, Andy Schletz, Joe DeLisi, Adu Rosales, Luke Craig, Brett Schotting, and Brett Schotting. Um, some of these people have been giving us money since 20, since like May of 2018. So um, that's really fucking cool. It's it's really, you know, when we're trying to pay for things, it's, it's helpful that I don't have to dig into my own pocket and um, you know, beg my wife for money for the SoundCloud fees or things like that. So it really does help keep the lights on here. And again, um, we are super appreciative. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to what we can do for the Patreon in 2021 as well. So thank you all so much for, for doing that. Um, and, you know, just want to say happy holidays to everybody, wherever, whatever you celebrate. Um, hope you get a lot of uh, booze and a lot of cookies and all that stuff. So uh, Dan, MJ, anything you guys want to want to add? Uh, just, uh, adding our thanks to the, the patrons and, uh, we promise we'll make it up to you with better content next year. Although that's a <laughs> filthy, that's a filthy lie. So I've just now further <laughs> impugned your contribution. Do and for that, I'm sorry. Do that. <laughs> I just want to thank the, the patrons that have been giving this year, the previous years, and you had to listen to my crazy voice and you still are giving money, us money. That's pretty amazing. It really is. Um, it really, really is. So, uh, so yeah. So thank you all to all those folks. Um, I'm I'm working out a way to do like a if you want to uh, if you are a Patreon uh, member and you want to highlight something or you want to you want us to talk about something uh, like a form like a Google form you can fill out that we'll we'll throw into the the podcast generally. So um, be on the lookout for that as well. So as always, um, please rate and review the podcast. Um, Patreon.com/slash the names I know. If you are not yet a member and want to get involved. Um, like I said, this will be the last one for this year. I think unless, again, something crazy happens, um, Dane St. Clair gets traded for Alan Polito and Peter Vermees. Um, <laughs> trade Dane St. Clair and Adrian Heath to Kansas City. 
if they <laughs> if that happens, guys, we're we're gonna have to do an emergency podcast and jump on and talk about this shit. So, um, but barring anything crazy happening, uh, you'll hear us again in 2021. So I want to say everybody, thank you again. Um, please, uh, you can follow me at Texas Zeller, Dan's at D Wade, MJ's at MJ Matsui, and Bill's at Bill underscore McGuire. Please have a happy holidays. Uh, stay safe. And we've been the Dave's you know. This is the Dave's I know. And work it out Cause we both know We can't do nothing at all Oh, oh, yeah Oh, 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 oh. oh We get we, we do our thing, son Long as you do yours, land here become feet, con Yeah uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son Who the act we attract to Hope to reach one uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing Do it do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nah, yo, I can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. GT.